Well, today Pastor Matt is in Fredericksburg, Texas. He's preaching at our church that we have in Fredericksburg. He's there with Pastor Mike and his family. And so today I have the, the privilege and the honor of bringing the word to you this morning. Amen. Okay. And, um, you know, when Pastor Matt asked me if I would speak on this Sunday, I was a little surprised because this is usually his favorite Sunday to preach to y'all because as y'all are aware, y'all all got an extra hour of sleep. And Matt usually likes to look at it as an extra hour to preach. Um, so I guess Fredericksburg gets that treat this morning. Uh, but if you could open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1 this morning, and also John chapter 15, those are the two main texts we'll be looking at today. Today we're continuing our series in Philippians. And yesterday we still are in chapter 1, and we still are looking at Paul's prayer in verses 9 through 11. Amen. Amen. Pastor Matt gave me a huge portion to cover today. I've got 11 words to look at today. And it's a little bit different than what I'm used to teaching KBI. For example, last Tuesday I had to teach through the entire book of 2 Kings in one night, which was 23,517 words. So this is a little bit different today, but I'm thankful that Pastor Matt is taking his time to walk us through these verses. How many of you are thankful for that as well? I think this, this prayer that Paul prays for the church is very important, and it's very important that we take our time to truly understand them. And so I know that you're probably very familiar with these verses that we've read for the last few weeks, verses 9 through 11, but I'm going to go ahead and read them today. This is Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, and Paul says, And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent." And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And so the portion of the text that we're going to be looking at today is the beginning of verse 11, which says, filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ. But before we do that, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word truly is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. God, as I walk through this text today, I pray that you would speak to your people this morning. Lord, that right now that you would soften our hearts to receive what you have for us today through your word. Lord, I thank you that your word is alive and that it is active and that it can speak to us. We thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so if you can remember, as Pastor Matt has said, this, this prayer that Paul prays for the church, it's a blueprint for the Christian life. And each part of this prayer is a, it's, it's sequential. It builds one after the other. 
And not only is this prayer sequential, it's also exclusive to believers. It's impossible for someone who is outside of the faith, someone who isn't in Christ, to do these things that Paul is praying for. None of this can be rightly accomplished outside of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so today we're going to be looking at the fruit of righteousness, but I think before we talk about the fruit of righteousness, that we should take some time to look at this word righteousness. What does it mean to be righteous? Well, one definition of righteousness that I saw that I really like that I'll be using today, to be righteous is to show God's perfection in every attribute, attitude, behavior, and word. Again, to show God's perfection, not man's perfection, but God's perfection in every attribute, attitude, behavior, and word. So really, to be righteous is to be like God. And so, I think it's important that we would know what God is like. If we want to be righteous, if we're going to strive to be righteous, we need to know what God is like. So thankfully, God has given us His Word. Amen? Thankfully, God has given us His law. When Israel fleed from Egypt and God rescued them out of Egypt, He gave Moses His law to give to the people so that the Israelites would know who God is. The Israelites would know what the character, what the attributes, what the attitudes, what the behavior of God is. And so the law of Moses, it shows us the character of God, but the law is also what our human righteousness is measured up against. So remember, being righteous means perfectly obeying the law. Every word, every attribute, every behavior, every attitude. Now, if you're in here today, hopefully you're thinking, well, that's impossible, how can I do that? How, how am I able to perfectly model God's attitudes, God's behaviors? Well, it is impossible. And I'm, I'm you know, we have the, the Ten Commandments that we can use just to measure ourselves up against. And the reality is, if any of us have broken just one of those commandments one time, we are unrighteous. And being unrighteous, being sinful, we are deserving of the wrath and judgment and punishment of God. Now, all of us in here, most of us in here are at least teenage, teenagers or older. And I think if we can be honest with ourselves, the teenage years of our lives were undefeated in allowing us to perfectly honor our parents. Amen? And... We can laugh at that, but really dishonoring our parents is a cosmic treason against God. Anytime that we break any, and, and not just the Ten Commandments, but any of the law of God, we're committing treason against Him, therefore we are unrighteous. And so none of us in ourselves are righteous or can be righteous. And if you think I'm being too harsh to you today... I've got the Apostle Paul that will back me up on this. In Romans chapter 3, 
In verses 10 through 12, Paul says, As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Now I could go on and on about how unrighteous we are, but today I'm supposed to be talking about how we now show the fruit of righteousness. But the only way we can be filled with the fruit of righteousness is through Jesus Christ. And taking it a step back, the only way that we can even be righteous before we show the fruit of righteousness is through the work of Jesus Christ. And that's it. That's the only way. Apart from Christ, it is impossible for us to be made righteous. We'd be forever dead in our sins, and our reward would be the wrath and judgment of God. But, thankfully, because of Christ, we can be made right with God. Amen? Our relationship that was broken because of our unrighteousness has now been reconciled by Christ. Our relationship that was shattered, our relationship that was in need of repair has now been brought into harmony by Christ. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 21, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, this is an open call, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Now listen to this, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Now this verse right here is so important for us this morning. Verse 21 says, For our sake, He, talking about God, made Him, Christ, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Those who are in Christ, our trespasses are no longer counted against us. I think that's worth repeating. Those of us who are in Christ, our trespasses, our transgressions against the law, our, our breaking the law of God, our trespasses are no longer counted against us. And verse 21 is so important for us believers to understand. In fact, it's important for unbelievers to understand that Christ, who had never known sin... Christ, who from eternity past was present with God the Father, not once knowing sin. He took on flesh, He came to this earth, and He took on sin so that we now can become the righteousness of God. 
We who are completely unrighteous, we who are deserving, fully deserving of the wrath and punishment of God, now we can be made right with God. We are as guilty as guilty can be. And Christ is the total opposite. Christ is as innocent as can be. Christ is pure. Christ is blameless. Christ is holy. He is the model of righteousness. But on the cross, the wrath of God was poured on Christ so that we can be made righteous. If it wasn't for the cross, we could never be righteous, and therefore we could never be filled with the fruit of righteousness. If it wasn't for God, for Jesus taking the cup of God's wrath, we could never do what Paul is praying for us to do here, to be filled with the fruit of righteousness. But now because of Christ, those who throw themselves at the cross of Christ, those who repent of their sins, those who place their faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God no longer looks at us and sees our unrighteousness, which Isaiah says is as filthy rags. When God looks at us who are in Christ now, He sees the righteousness of His Son. He sees the righteousness of Christ. And the Apostle Peter, he says it this way in 1 Peter 2.24, talking about Christ, he says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. Because He took on our sins, now we can live righteously. Because of His wounds that He took on, and this isn't just talking about His physical wounds, it's not just talking about the holes in His hands and the, the thorn that was on His head, that's not all that it's talking about. By the wounds that He took on, the wounds taking on our sin, now our spiritual disease has been made whole. That is the sickness that we have truly been healed from for those who are in Christ. And this right here is the good news of the gospel. This is why all of y'all are in here today. We're in here today to celebrate the miraculous work of Christ on the cross who has made us unrighteous sinners who are as filthy as rags. Now we can come boldly into the presence of God and worship a holy and true and righteous God because of the work of Jesus Christ. We come to celebrate the, the great the great reconciler who has reconciled us to God. And so now that we have been made righteous, now that we are a new creation, there should be some fruit that comes from that. Now that we have taken on the, the righteousness of Christ, our lives should show that. Our lives should reflect now that we are righteous. So again, let's go back to our text today in first in Philippians 1 verse 11 it says filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ so to get a better understanding of what bearing fruit through Jesus Christ looks at looks like today I'd like to now move over to John chapter 15 
We're going to look at a passage that's probably familiar to a lot of you. In this passage, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples. Jesus is hours from being captured, from being tried, and ultimately being crucified, taking on the wrath that was just described. And at this portion in the Gospel of John, in the upper room, Jesus, he's already washed his disciples' feet. He's already administered the Lord's table with them. He's already said that one of them will betray him, leading Judas to flee the room. But Jesus still has something very important that he wants to share with his disciples. And so this brings us to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. And it says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing." If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. In the book of John, Jesus gives seven I am's to describe himself. And this one, this is the last I am. He's already said, I am the bread of life, I am the light of the world, I am the door of the sheep. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here Jesus says he is the true vine. He also says God is the vine dresser, and we are the branches. Now there are two types of branches that Jesus talks about here. There are those that bear fruit, and there are those that do not. There are those branches that have shown themselves productive. They've proven that they're fruitful in their lives. And there are those that are not bearing any fruit. Jesus says the fruitless branches, the vine dresser casts out. He throws them into the fire. He cuts them off from the vine. He throws them to the side. Then they're gathered up and thrown into the fire. Those are the fruitless branches. But those fruit-bearing branches Jesus refers to are those who have made a true profession in Christ. Those who have been truly converted. Those who are abiding in Christ. Those are the branches that bear much fruit. And just as branches completely depend on the vine for life, for growth, for health, and for strength, natural branches depend on the vine in the same way, spiritually, we have to depend on Christ for life and for growth and for strength, for health and for fruit. 
Now this pruning process, we got to talk about the pruning process that takes place that the vine dresser does, which in this case, Jesus is talking about God the Father. This pruning process that happens to those who are in Christ, to those who are abiding in Christ, it's not always a pleasant process being pruned by the vine dresser. And the process of pruning, the vine dresser will cut away shoots from the branch that aren't helping the branch flourish. There's a lot of cutting and snipping and taking away that happens in the process of being pruned. But the reason that the vine dresser does this is so that the branches that have proven themselves fruitful can continue to bear much fruit. And so it is for us who abide in Christ, when we come to Christ, we are justified. We're declared righteous because, like I said, of the work of Jesus Christ. When we come to Christ, we are justified. That is a one-time thing that happens. But how many of you can attest to the fact that even though you've been justified, you've been declared righteous, your life doesn't necessarily walk that out 100% of the time. And so the next phase of our salvation process is what is called sanctification. And this is an ongoing process. This is not a one-time thing. This is a daily process that takes place, which is where we are being made more and more into the image of Christ. And so this pruning process that takes place is what sanctification is. It's not a one-time thing. God will constantly be pruning you. He will constantly be cutting some things out of your life. He will constantly be bringing you through some sort of adversity because He cares about your fruit. Now, in these moments of pruning... Like I said, they're not always easy, and you might be thinking through a lot of them. Why is God doing this? Doesn't God want me to be happy? Doesn't God want me to enjoy myself? Our natural response to this pruning might be to say, you know, God, stop. Stop cutting away at me. Don't you know that this hurts? Don't you know this is uncomfortable? Being pruned by the vine dresser isn't always easy, but it is necessary in order for us to be fruitful. Amy Carmichael, who was a missionary to India for over 50 years, she was a missionary to India. She faced many hardships, many trials in her life, many times of pruning in her life. And she had this to say about the father's pruning she said, what prodigal waste it appears to be to see scattered on the floor the bright green leaves and the bare stem bleeding in a hundred places from the sharp knife. But with a tried and trusted husbandman, there is not a random stroke in it at all. Nothing can cut away, nothing cut away which it would not have been a loss to keep and gain to lose. 
You see, with Jesus showing us that the Father is the vine dresser, we can trust that every single cut, every single snip, every single adversity that we may go through in our life, every single hardship, there's a purpose and there's a reason for it. It's not a random cut. He doesn't make any cuts by mistake. He doesn't accidentally prune a fruitful branch that, he, that should not have been pruned. You know, there's a lot of professional vine dressers. I imagine especially in, in Fredericksburg, where Pastor Matt is preaching in today, with, it seems like there's hundreds of wineries in Fredericksburg. Surely there's many professional vine dressers in the vineyards of Fredericksburg, Texas, but even them make mistakes in their pruning process from time to time. But it isn't so with God. Every single cut that He makes in our lives for those that are abiding in Christ, they are for a reason. And so this pruning, it should encourage us because it shows that we are part of the vine. God only prunes those that abide in Christ, those that he has given to his son. And so if those of us who are converted, if those are the ones that are bearing fruit, who is it that Jesus is talking about that will be cast out? Well, if you, if you notice, going back to John chapter 6, he says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. So we know that there will be some branches that say that they are in Christ that will still be cast out and thrown into the fire. So not only is this passage of Jesus being the true vine encouraging to us who are truly in Christ, it's also a warning to false converts. It's a warning to those who would make a false profession of faith. Those that would say they're part of the vine, they would say they have some knowledge of Christ, but their knowledge hasn't produced anything fruitful in their lives. Now these who are going to be cast out is who Jesus was talking about in the parable of the sower in Matthew chapter 13, with those where the seed was sown on the rocky ground, but there wasn't enough soil. So Jesus talking about this in Matthew 13, verse 20, he says, As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecu or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. See, everybody in this life is going to face hardships. They're going to face trials. But those who are not truly abiding in Christ, those who are not in the vine, those who are not bearing any fruit, those are the ones who are going to fall away when adversity strikes. Those are the ones whose profession, when it's put to the test, will show to be unfruitful. And this is a very dangerous place to be if that is you today. Because Jesus says those who say that they profess Christ but have not possessed Christ, they have not submitted to the lordship of Christ, that they will be cast into the fire. And so how do we know if we're bearing fruit? 
what does that necessarily look like? What does it look like to be filled with the fruit of righteousness? If we want to make sure today that we're abiding in the vine, if we want to make sure that our lives are being fruitful, what is it that our lives should look like? Some will say that this fruit of righteousness is bringing lost souls to a saving faith in Christ. That it's those that go out and witness and share the gospel and, and build the kingdom of God. Another thought is that this fruitful, that being fruitful is, is faithful submission to the law of God. Now, both of these are solid answers, and I don't think either of those are wrong. But today, the fruit that I want to look at is the fruit of the Spirit, which I believe is definitely the result of abiding in Christ. And so this is shown to us in Galatians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul shows us what being filled with the fruit of righteousness looks like. Paul gives us a list of fruits that we should show in our lives if we are truly abiding in Christ. But first, he tells us what the fruit of our flesh is. He tells us what the fruit of our lives are for those who are not truly abiding in Christ. And so in Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 19, Paul says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So this is the lifestyle that will get you cut off from the vine. And of course, all of us today still have some of the fruit of the flesh because we are not perfect. We're still in that process of being sanctified. We haven't been glorified yet, which will come when we are reunited with Christ but this is a lifestyle that will get us cut off from the vine. If you claim to be abiding in Christ, but this is the fruit of your life, you need to repent. You need to turn to Christ. You need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying if you ever do one of these things one time that you're in danger of being cast out and thrown into the fire. What I'm saying is if, if this list that Paul gives here is what your life looks like. It's an ongoing thing, that this is the fruit of your life each and every day, that you have no remorse, no repentance for walking in these sins, then you need to repent. But then Paul tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is, what we now can walk in for those who have been made righteous, those who have taken on the righteousness of Christ because of the work of Christ on the cross. In verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, how many of you in here can say, Yep, that describes me to a T. I've got this fruit of the Spirit thing figured out perfect. 
Okay, your laughter shows that, no, we, we all have some pruning that still needs to take place in our life. All of us have areas to grow in, and this is where the pruning takes place. Maybe God right now is, is taking you through a season in your life because he wants to produce more patience in your life. Maybe you're someone who's used to being very in control of things and God has caused something in your life to just be so out of your control that you are having to rely on his peace. That he's pruning a little bit of peace in your life. He's forcing you to trust in his peace which surpasses all understanding. Maybe right now the Lord's dealing with you in an area of your life of self-control. He's illuminating some things that you need to get rid of in your life. All of this happens as we abide in Christ. And as I said, it's impossible for this to happen outside of Christ, which is what Jesus himself said. Again, in John 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. We cannot be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Thankfully, the Apostle Paul was aware of that because when he tells us to be filled with the fruit of righteousness, he doesn't stop there. He says, be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, abiding in Jesus, what does that look like? You keep telling me to abide in Christ. What does that look like? How do I abide in Christ? Well, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 1 at the beginning, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. This is how you abide in Christ. By being a person of the Word of God. In John chapter 1, it also says that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So to abide in Christ is to be someone who spends their lives in the Word of God. Someone who daily studies the Word, someone who daily reads the Word. And what happens as we abide in Christ, as we abide in the Word, the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It shows us areas in our lives that we need to get out. That is the work of the Holy Spirit, and that is the work that the Father does to prune us. Thankfully, He illuminates by the Word of God areas in our lives that we need some pruning. But sometimes he's just going to prune us whether we like it or not because we are his people and he wants us to be fruitful. And so to abide in Christ is to be a person that is living in the word of God. You can profess Christ all day long. You can say you're a Christian all day long. But if you are not abiding in the word of God, there will be no fruit. And so in closing today, I want to ask you, are you abiding in Christ? Are you living in the Word of God? Are your thoughts throughout the day meditating on the love of God?
I want to encourage you this week to go and continue to read John chapter 15. There's so much more to that that I could preach on, but Jesus says that He loves us the same way that the Father loves Him. Are you meditating on that love of Christ? Are you seeing any fruit in your life? I'm not talking about the fruit of the flesh. Are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit in your life? If not, my plea for you today, it's the same plea Paul had in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, be reconciled to God. Turn to Christ. Put your faith in the Son of God. Repent of your sin. Trust in Him as the eternal Son. Be justified today. This, this salvation work, it's no, there's nothing that you can do other than placing your faith in Jesus Christ to be saved. Receiving that free gift that comes through grace alone. And for those of us who are in Christ today, I want to encourage you to live every day of your life reminding yourself of what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross. Remind yourself of your unrighteousness before Christ. And that now because He took on your sin, you are righteous. I think it's important for us to remind ourselves that if it wasn't for Christ, we would be fully deserving of the wrath of God. We would be awaiting that day of the Lord that Pastor Matt was talking about last week. That day would be a day of terror for us. A day of worry and fear knowing that we would experience the wrath of God. But because of Christ, now we can be filled with hope awaiting that day. Looking forward to the day where we will be reunited with Christ. And I want to encourage you today to continue abiding in Him. Continue to be people that are living in the Word of God. Continue to study the Word of God. And as you do that, you will see the fruit of righteousness. You will be filled with the fruit of righteousness. Allow yourselves to be humbled by the Word of God, to be sanctified by His Word. When you read something in His Word that's challenging for you and you say, oh yeah, I've got some areas, I, I, I need to work on that. I don't appear to be like Christ in that area. Don't let it just be a thought. Let that bring you to your knees in repentance calling on God to help you, trusting in His Holy Spirit to produce that fruit in your life. Be willing to be pruned by the Father so that we can stand and we can, we can give thanks to God like that song was saying today because of what God has done for us. And thankfully, by the grace of God alone, us who had once been unrighteous, we can now produce the fruit of righteousness. Amen.